Hello, I've got the most exciting announcement. I have a new sponsor for my podcast, Creating a Buzz About Health, and I'm delighted to be collaborating with Unbelievable Health. Unbelievable Health produce the most incredible health products. And to celebrate this new collaboration, we're offering an amazing hamper with a wide selection of the Unbelievable Health products, as well as a year's supply of honey. So some of my favorite honeys from around the world, you're going to be able to have a hamper full of these. All you've got to do is listen to my podcast, choose your favorite episode and write a review on the platform that you listen to this in, take a screenshot of your review where you say which is your favorite episode and why. Send me the screenshot. Send it to b at paulacarnell.com. So that's b b e e at paulacarnell.com. And you will be entered into the grand draw where you will be pulled out to win a hamper. So we've got one amazing huge hamper and I'm sure we'll come up with some good other prizes too. So all you've got to do is just listen to the podcast, find your favourite episode, tell us why and which one is your favourite, take a screenshot of your review and email it to us to be at paulacarnell.com and then you've got a chance to win this incredible hamper. I'm delighted to be collaborating with Unbelievable Health. They do incredible supplements and it couldn't be better all round. So wishing you a healthy 2024 and um, thank you very much for listening. You have to become yourself. Welcome Open to Creating eyes. a Buzz About Open Health podcast with Paula Carnell. This episode was sponsored by Unbelievable Health, the producers of these incredible health supplements using the products from the hive, the wonderful health benefits of Propolis. If you want to grab some of your own supplements for immunity, for energy, for anxiety and for sleep, then go along to unbelievablehealth.co.uk and put in the code PaulaBuzz25 for a 25% discount. Isn't that amazing? So that's Paula Buzz, all in capital letters, two Zs, 25. So P-A-U-L-A-B-U-Z-Z, 25 for a 25% discount. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Hello. So welcome to this week's episode of Creating a Buzz About Health. I am often asked the question, which weed killers are safe for bees? Well, my first response is none, <laughs> because the clue's in the name. They kill, they kill, they're weed killers. These are chemicals designed to kill. And what is a weed? Well, a weed is more often than not a medicinal herb that um, at some point in time, somebody decided we shouldn't have them growing. So a classic weed is the dandelion. And if you've listened to all of my episodes here, you'll know that I love dandelions and they are not only a great food for bees, but they're also a great food and medicine for humans. So why on earth would you want to kill them? You just need to learn to look at them with a new perspective. However, 
I know that during the winter months and early spring, people are preparing their gardens and maybe they're clearing a bit of land. Maybe you've moved somewhere and it's all overgrown and you're like, oh, how do I clear it? So I just want to explain a bit about the so-called bee friendly weed killers. When you look in the aisle for weed killers, you'll see quite often they will say bee friendly. Now, what you need to understand is bee friendly is determined by what's called the LD50. Now, this is um, an experiment where they use individual compounds from whatever the mix is, and they test them one at a time, drop by drop, on a bee in a petri dish. So they do one bee at a time, and when 50% of the bees survive, that is, uh, you know, to a certain dose, that is declared as the LD50. So that is therefore safe for bees. So when something is bee safe, it literally means that it only kills 50% of bees. So do you wonder why we're having such a massive decline in insects? Imagine if you had a um, human medical um, sort of medicine that was cleared, it's safe for humans because it only kills 50% of humans. I think we'd be a bit outraged. So that's the first thing you have to understand is the LD50. So it, it can say that it's safe for bees on the bottle when it's past the LD50. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is that many of the, the products that you buy are not just one ingredient. There'll be a combination of ingredients. And if you were familiar with um, Rachel Carson's book in 1963 called Silent Spring, or if you've been following any of Dave Gawson's work, you will know that when you um, combine different chemical compounds, their toxicity increases. It doesn't stay the same. So if you have five ingredients that have all passed the LD50, what you'll find is when they're combined, they will become more lethal. And also the chemicals or the toxins in these ingredients will actually get passed through the food train, chain and they become more intensive as they go through the food chain. So say you put some weed killer on your dandelions and a bee drinks that dandelion and survives. But then when it's flying back to the hive, a bird eats it. That bird will then be taking on that dose. And what will happen is the toxins will be stored in that bird's tissues so that when a bigger bird eats that bird, that bird will also take on those tissues. And then if we eat the bird, we get those toxins too. So we really do need to be very mindful about what we're putting in our garden. And if you're clearing a garden, it'd be very tempting to just go and get this amazing spray that says, be friendly, spray it all over your garden, everything dies, and you're like, great, I've got a nice sort of fresh canvas to grow whatever I want in. But think about where are those chemicals going? They're going into the soil. So you may be thinking, okay, it's winter, there's nothing flowering, I can spray it all now, everything will die back down, it's not going to harm any bees. But where do the queen bumblebees or the larvae of um, solitary bees, where do they live through the winter? They're in the ground. More often than not, bumblebees, queen bumblebees, ready fertilized before the winter months, they're actually nesting in the soil underneath your lawn. 
or anywhere in the ground if they've found a nice place where they thought they'd be undisturbed. So particularly on a nice overgrown area, they're actually going to be nesting under there. And if you pour any chemicals on that land, that's just going to drizzle in and seep in to those sleeping bees. So they will be, you know, surrounded by these chemicals. Now, it says there's there's a particular brand, which I'm not going to name, but you, you could probably guess what it is or do your own research. But it says that it it degrades quickly in the soil because the microbiomes will actually um, or the microbes in the soil will break it down. Now, yes, you will get microbes in soil that will break down chemicals. And that's great. And that's one of the purposes of dandelions is they break down toxins. And there's lots and lots of different weeds that will grow specifically to clean the soil. So just look at Chernobyl and see what plants have grown there to actually clean up radioactivity. So we know, yes, plants, nature will break it down. However, we now also know that what these chemicals do is they destroy bacteria. They destroy the microbiome. And what they found, um, they've done a lot of research on the effects of all different pesticides, herbicides, all kinds of things on bees. And they find that it affects their microbiome. And we now as humans are appreciating the importance of a healthy microbiome in our guts to keep our immune system alive. So if you destroy that microbiome, what's it going to do to your health? You'll get sick. So is it any wonder that humans are getting so sick? Because if you're going to clear farmland by treating it with uh, a bee-friendly herbicide, and then you grow fruit and veg in it, and that soil has got all these chemicals in, they don't just disappear. When they break down, all it means is they, they break down and spread out and different organisms have digested them. So I really want you to think about this. I know it's hard work and people say, oh, I'm on my own. I can't do this. I can't do that. But this is where we need to work more collaboratively together. And humans are notoriously bad for asking for help. And the more people who understand that we need to work together, especially if we want to have healthy food, especially if we want to have a healthy environment, it's for all of our benefit. So what's really important is that you look at the land you've got and you think, OK, I want to get rid of the overgrowth. I want to sort of have a, a clean canvas so I can grow nice, fresh food. So think about other ways. Now, if it's winter, you could lay cardboard down, you could put plastic sheeting, and that will suppress any weeds from growing through. You could also think about growing a crop like potatoes first, because the potatoes will actually clean the soil. They will remove, they're sort of quite invasive and powerful, so they can help remove a lot of the other chemicals. So think about other ways that you can do this. Now, I'm just going to share a bit of information about a Chinese study on glyphosate on bees. And excuse me one moment. So um, it's very cold here this morning. So my nose is running. So um, there's glyphosate is widely used all around the world. It's a herbicide. It passes the LD50. Um, it's been, I mean, it is the most widely used herbicide around the world, but both commercially and privately. So people use it in their gardens. Councils will use it along the roadsides. And then you'll also find that farmers use it and they'll use it to clear the soil in between crops to stop weeds coming through. So you have to think, well, 
if you're going to kill everything down and it supposedly degrades really quickly, um, then how does it stop new weeds coming through? Doesn't make sense. Anyway, it will kill all the worms. It will kill everything, everything that's life in your soil and any nesting larvae of the solitary bees or the bumblebees that you need to pollinate your crops. So it doesn't make sense for a start. Now, what they did was they studied the glyphosate and they studied it on honeybees. So a lot of trials of um, different chemicals are done on honeybees. Honeybees are one of the most experimented on beasts that we have in the world. So a lot of things have been trialed on honeybees, but also on the bumblebees. Now, on this particular trial that was published in Nature, um, in the science um, category in 2021, it was a study that they first released in 2020, but it was accepted and published in 2021. And what they found was that when bees were exposed to half the LD50, for half the recommended dose, it reduced various behaviors of bees. So what they do is to test the responsiveness of bees, they, um, they test how far the proboscis reaches out. So when a bee senses sugar, so nectar in a plant, it'll reach out its proboscis. So there's all these olfactory senses that are going, oh, there's a nectar, there's a sweet nectar just there. And so they stretch out their tongue. So lots of experiments are done to see how far a bee can sense that there's sucrose before it starts reaching out its tongue and then gets to the, the source. What they found was with half the dose, their actual proboscis, their senses were significantly reduced. Now, how many people just use the recommended dose of any kind of chemical? So you do need to think about that. And what about repeated use? The other thing they found was that they, it reduced their water response. So the bees could not even detect water. They weren't even finding water. And water is essential to life, not only for humans, but also for bees. So the bees need the water. And if they're unable to sense it, as well as the sugar, sucrose, then they're going to um, starve. Now, the other thing was behavioral changes. So they found that um, climbing bees. Now, it's important that bees can climb because they climb up the comb. The wax comb is hanging and the bees need to climb up, up it. Now, what they did was they had a 50 centimetre length that the bees needed to climb. And when they've not been exposed to chemicals, they could climb 50 centimetres in 12 seconds. When they had half the dose, it took nearly 13 seconds. When they had the whole dose, it was just over 13 seconds. When they had twice the dose, it was nearly 14 seconds. Now, you might think, oh, a second, that doesn't make a big difference. But to the life of a bee and the scale of the bee and the efficiency of the colony, this is massive. And when you see these results plotted on a chart, you can see what a dramatic difference it is. Now, you may or may not be aware that there have actually been um, legal cases taken in America where people who were applying this chemical on farmland by instruction of their bosses actually took legal cases because they developed tumours and they won. So there are so many um, cases now that you can look up where it's been proven that glyphosate is carcinogenic, so it creates tumours. And that's just for people who are applying it. Now, they always say, you know, make sure you're wearing gloves, perhaps have a mask, maybe have a suit on when you're applying this. But how many people in their garden are going around treating dandelions without gloves on, without suits on? 
And the bees certainly don't have gloves or suits on to protect themselves. So if you're trying to clear some land and you're thinking, oh, I want to, I really want to save the bees. I want to look after bees, but I need to use a chemical. You just have to change your perspective. Chemicals are not natural. They are there to kill. They will kill whatever they come into contact with. And depending on the organism, it could be a quick death or it could be a slow death. So really start looking at everything and thinking if you've just killed your soil, if you've killed all the life in it, all the micro all the microorganisms which are going to create really healthy food that will help your microbiome and your immunity. If you've just killed them all, what's the point of growing food there? What sort of nutrition is that food going to have? We know that soils around the world are severely depleted. So it's up to us to start really noticing this difference and really making a change, really demanding that our food is grown without these chemicals, but also starting at home, start in your own environment, start observing the weeds that have grown in your garden, look them up, see what's the medicinal properties of those weeds. Maybe they've come into your garden to heal you. I completely understand when people want to clear space and I completely understand that it can be overwhelming, but ask for help. Let's all work together. Let's trade hours, trade skills. Ask someone to come and help you do your your area and in return, you'll cook them a meal or whatever. Whatever gifts you have, let's share them. We all have gifts. We all have things that we can share. And together, we can help have a healthy planet with a healthy soil. Without healthy soil, we're all going to be sick. So let's start working together. There's no such thing as a bee-friendly chemical, a bee-friendly weed killer, because weeds are living organisms. And if a chemical is designed to kill a living organism, it will kill all living organisms. They're not that clever that they can pick out individual ones. So I hope this has been helpful. Please share it with anyone you think who would benefit from this little bit of insight or a different way of thinking. And hopefully it will encourage you to just go and ask, what's the worst thing? You ask your neighbours, they say no. Just go a bit further afield. Ask your friends, ask your family and just get them to listen to this. And then maybe they'll go, oh, OK, I get it now. So thank you very much for listening. And let's see a lovely, clean soil and lovely, clean food and lovely, clean flowers for our bees growing in our gardens and in our environment through 2024. Thanks very much. Bye. I love that you've been listening to my podcast. Thank you so much. I am delighted to have the wonderful Bee Brook helping me with editing and um, producing this podcast. So if you've enjoyed it, do share it around and connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, and my website. So thank you very much and bye for now. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on Creating a Buzz Open About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.